0: how's everybody today yes man i feel like i haven't been up here in a while and uh i'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about the missions trip that we were on a couple weeks ago here in a few minutes and then uh um, Going to jump into our message before we go any further. Though uh, tomorrow we will be celebrating Veterans Day, and and we want to honor those those men and women who have served in our in our armed forces and stood up for our country and for our freedoms. And so, if you served, uh, I would like for you to stand. We're not trying to put you on the spot, but we want to recognize you and thank you for your service. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And listen, I encourage you guys to shake their hands, hug their necks, say thank you for for what you have done to to provide these freedoms that we've had, um, and and just amazing. And so we want to recognize you guys. Also, today is my, my son Judah's 15th birthday. I told him this morning, I said, do you feel any more like a man now today than you did yesterday? And he said, Dad, I've always been a man. He's serving in kids today, and so when you go get your uh, your child after service, tell tell Judah happy birthday, and so. Um... We got back from Tuscaloosa a few minutes ago, felt like, it's about 3 a.m. this morning and just an awesome weekend, and I I, want to recognize Ellen, who's our worship leader. She's our administrative assistant at the church, and her family, uh, they have season tickets to to Alabama football, and they they brought us up and hosted us this weekend, and it was absolutely uh, just an amazing time together with them, and uh, that really meant a lot to us that they would do that for us. And so anyway, I just want to give a shout out to her and to their family. I do want to echo some some things that Cynthia said about our fall fest. What a huge success. Amen. That was just a lot of fun. And I want to thank our staff at the church as well as our dream team, everyone that stepped up to serve, come on, you got to give those guys a hand. because um, they worked really hard. Like really, really hard to make that thing organized, to make sure it was smooth. And um you know, we love inviting guests to come and sit at our table and eat with us and share. Uh, and that last week was really just an awesome time uh, together to have a meal, to to have some community, to have some worship outside. Come on, how many of you were blessed by the children out there worshiping? Am I right? Those little kids just throwing their hands up, worshiping. I'm sitting here this morning like, what are y'all doing? Come on, your kids are worshiping. Why don't you do the same? I mean, it's just so cool. And so anyway, we had over 300 people here last Sunday. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but someone called the cops on us. And so you know you're really having a party when the cops show up. <laughs> but we weren't in trouble. They, someone was trying to put their baby down for a nap and, um, You know, we got a little bass in our speakers. And so, uh anyway, the cops said, You got till eleven o'clock tonight, man. Y'all have fun. And so anyway, yeah, the cops were called. And so that was pretty Yeah, that was fun. Um, I wanna recap our missions trip real quick while Tony so eloquently sets the mood on the keys back there in the back. Listen, I may be on a caffeine high right now. I just may be on one, and you're helping. You know what I'm saying? You're helping. Okay. Um, And they are going to put some pics up on the screen. Um, And this is some pictures from our care point down in the Santa Rosa Village, down in Dominican Republic, just outside of Santa Domingo. Um, We visited the care point on our missions trip. And um, by the way, thank you to everyone that, that held down the fort here at church, Pastor Joey, for bringing the word and wrapping up our Squad Goals series. Um, just thank you guys. But, I mean, at this care point, it's pretty awesome um, that this thing is established. They're feeding over 50 kids um, every day. We met the, the ladies who are actually running the care point. That's them right there on the screen. That's Maria and Rachel. I want you to think about those two ladies with 50 children. And they handling business, y'all. I need y'all to know they are hand, They're cooking. And feeding them. This is a picture where we got to minister to them. We actually washed their feet. We walked with them through the village, and it hit me. This is why they washed feet in the Bible, because those streets were so dirty. There were so many different things in those streets, and so we were we wanted to be able to minister to them and encourage them. And so we washed their feet. And you talk about incredible just time. I mean, the tears were flowing. I mean, even the guys' eyes were getting a little misty. Um, and it was just an awesome time. And that's us out front at the care point with some of the kids as well as those who are, uh, are leading this. And so we were able to feed the children. We went on some home visits. We delivered some groceries. We prayed with uh, different families. Um, cool thing was we got to bring an offering from the church to them. And, and, and really, these ladies, Maria and Rachel, I mean, we blessed them. Like financially so that they can have their needs taken care of, so that they can help take care of the needs of these children. And I just gotta say a massive thank you to our church for your generosity. There's a church there in Santa Domingo that's been doing a lot of outreach. We brought them a financial offering as well. And I mean I just think it's really cool whenever we get to stand with some people who are really doing kingdom work and just say, Hey, how do we help you take a step further? And while we were there, some of the things that we did take care of, they have running water in this. Village. However, the water gets shut off several times uh, during the day, and so they don't have constant running water. And so we were able to get a big water tank to put it up on top of the building to store the water. They ran plumbing to all the different fixtures, so now they have continual running water. They had a roof that was falling in. We were able to to fix that. I mean, we put a fan in the kitchen because it was hot, hot. In there, And so now there's, uh, there's a family. We bought them new pots. We bought them new, new utensils, plates, and bowls. Uh, I mean, just everything so that they can keep doing what God has called them to do. We're praying for a pastor there at the care point because our next step is a church there. And so we're praying for a couple that God is going to call into that village. And, guys, I want you to know that there's some real stuff going on over there. Like, there are some spiritual things that are happening. There are people in that village that are act- actually practicing voodoo. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't mess with that. And so there's some spiritual things going on, but hey, we're pressing through. We're believing that God's going to do some awesome things there. And so um, the, the highlight, though, was the, when we first asked them, What is the one thing that, that you really need right now? And I'll never forget the first thing that they said. And this resonated with me so much because it's been a theme. And, and they said, We need new tables and chairs. And I could tell you throughout this whole entire year, it seems like I keep running into this whole idea of setting tables and inviting people to come and sit at the table. And um, it was amazing that while we were there, that was what their need was. And they said, we need more tables to make room for more kids. And so we went and bought more tables and chairs so that they can make more room for more kids. And I, I, I began to really think, you know, this is our vision like this is what we pray and this is what we're, we're we're believing for, and it's not just happening here in our city, but it's even happening there. And I was just I was just so excited and elated to see how that's happening, and I really had some surreal moments there while we were there. And I'm not trying to go on; I'm going somewhere with this. Um, but nine years ago, we visited that village, and this was before Emerged Church ever started. And I remember walking through there knowing that someday Cynthia and I would start a church. And I, I literally, it was like a dream that the Lord dropped in my heart that we could have some missions work happening in that village. And as I walked through that, that village, the dream is, is happening. Like the reality of what God dropped in my heart before there was ever even an emerged church was actually happening. And this is what I thought about. God had a part in this, but I think about the men and women who have served and the men and women who have given, like in this church right here, the, the people that said, you know what, Pastor Wade, we believe in what God is calling us to do in the Santa Rosa Village. And so we're going to give. I think about the people who have sponsored those children and saying, you know, what, we want to make sure that they have food every day. We want to make sure that their basic needs are taken care of. And now, I'm, uh, you know, we walk through this village and it's like this dream is coming to pass. And I just love how the Lord just kind of orchestrated all the different people, all the different parts, the resources connecting with children's cup and everything. And so I just want to say uh, a big thank you to everyone who has given towards making this possible because the kingdom is happening there. The kingdom of God is happening there in the Santa Rosa village because people right here in our city in Tallahassee, Florida said, I believe that God could do something there. Let's give towards it. Let's take a missions trip there. Let's partner with these guys. And now it's really, really happening. And listen, guys, we're talking about generations being affected. We're talking about lives literally being changed. And so I just have to just give a big shout out to you guys because literally we're setting tables for kids to come and taste and see how good God is. And I I just think that's an incredible thing. And this trip was really nostalgic. It really got me thinking about just a a, a lot about what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in our hearts and what God is doing there. And, And it continually had me thinking of this word Legacy. Like over and over, that's been the word that's just going through my mind, um, legacy. And just thinking, what is our legacy as a church going to be? And so today, um, as we're heading into the holidays, and you know we're going to be t- spending some time with our families and everything, I just want us to consider our legacy. I want us to think about what we're going to be known for. Like not just what we're going to do, but who we are. And today I want to kick off this series called Legacy. Over the next couple weeks, we'll dive into this. But today I want to start out with John chapter 12, verse 1. And you can follow along on the screens there. And then we'll jump into this message this morning. Uh, John 12, it says, six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they had prepared a supper for Jesus. And Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Like I said, there it is again. It just keeps showing up. Um, And Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume. The purest extract of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet. And then she wiped them dry with her long hair and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. But Judas, the locksmith, Simon's son, the betrayer spoke up and said, what a waste. We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor. In fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money case. Come on, this is strong language. And he would steal money whenever he wanted from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Come on, Judas ain't a good dude. And Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone. She saved it for the time of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. I want to use this scripture today to set up this series called Legacy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together today. Thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. I believe there is something that you want to say to them. And Lord, I just pray that you will simply use me to be uh, just a, a mouthpiece. Lord, I ask you to use me today, God, to represent you through this entire message. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will grip our hearts and draw us closer and closer to you today. And Lord, I pray that we will fall more in love with you. I pray, God, that our surrender will be greater than ever. Lord, that we would truly follow you in every single area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you remember back in the day when you started wearing like cologne or perfume? How many of y'all remember that? I remember when I was in high school, my, I have a brother that, you know, he's about 18 months older than me, so he was like a year uh, ahead of me in school. I'll never forget when my brother, Jason, we also call him Diesel, began to wear cologne. And uh, he showed up one day, and I'm telling you, it was so strong, it was burning my eyes. And I was like, Jason, because this was preceding the, na- the nickname Diesel, okay? And so I was like, Jason, what in the world are you wearing? And so he pulls out this little black bottle, and he says, this is the new cologne. It's called Drakkar Noir. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all wore some Drakkar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many of y'all were polo people? I'm, 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 I'm dating some people. Obsession. Come on. How are we talking? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all ain't raising my hand for that one. Anyway, I remember that story, uh, the story we read reminded me of Diesel showing up with his Dracar on. I remember I wore it one time, and the whole day, you know, it's just like I smelled myself. It's like I can't do this, man. I was not a Dracar person. Anyway, I just figured I'd tell you that the transition into the message today. (laughs) I told Gary this morning I feel like an Ark pastor today. I am an Ark pastor, but I feel like one because I'm wearing my, my my black jeans with my little denim shirt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's supposed to be a denim jacket, but I don't have one. And this was quick and easy to put on. Okay. So let's let's jump into the message. This is the caffeine, y'all. It's, yes. yeah, Cynthia said I need sleep. Let me preach this message because I got about 24 minutes to do this. So this story that we're reading this morning, it happens, uh, this is happening just a uh, a few days before Jesus is to be crucified. And so I want you to notice where he's visiting. He's going to Bethany to visit Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I need you to know Jesus is really popular here in this town because this is where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, I need you to know, this family, they are very fond of Jesus. If Jesus raises your brother from the dead, Jesus, come eat at our house anytime. You know what I'm saying? And then there's that famous uh, sermon in there, you know, the difference between Mary and Martha. One was serving, one was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and all the Martha people are like, that's right, somebody's got to set up the dinner. And then all the Mary people are like, somebody's got to talk to Jesus. And there's that whole debate mixed up in there. But we're not going there today, but I know you thought of it whenever we read it. And so I got to address it before we go in. And so in this story, you got these characters. There's Jesus, there's Mary, there's Martha, there's Lazarus. But then there's Judas in there. And Judas, he is the disciple of Jesus. And, and I don't know if you knew this. I know you know he's the betrayer. Okay, and so we put the big X on him. But like he is the treasurer in Jesus' ministry. Like he's carrying the money back. He's got the checkbook. They gave him the corporate credit card. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is carrying the card, and everywhere they go, he is swiping, you know. He is inserting the chip. And so Judas is this kind of guy that Jesus had. And what's interesting is, like, Jesus knew all along. You talk about just terrible business practice. I mean, if you got a guy who's a thief, you're not going to put him in charge of the money of your corporation. Am I Right. Jesus, I mean, tell, listen, Jesus, he, he, he knows what he's doing. Don't do that, though, okay? Don't put the thief in charge of your money. Just saying. And so Judas, he's watching this whole event, and Mary, she's, she's just so overcome with the moment because they really have Jesus there. They want to honor him with this meal. And so they're gathered at the table, and Mary, she's just you could tell that she's been waiting for a moment like this for some time because obviously she saved up some money and, and she's bought this expensive perfume. And so Jesus is there, and, and you know, just assuming it's the right time at the meal, she she proceeds to get down on her knees and begins to pour this oil on Jesus' feet. And again, that just sounds really strange to us because some of you you don't have good feet, and you would not like anyone to like see your feet you know what I'm saying like that's just not cool and like if we ever did a foot washing service like 90% of y'all like I'm out just don't I don't do that don't touch me like I don't like that but in this I need you to understand though the way that they were the way they were moving around these villages a lot of times they didn't have the type of shoe wear that we have and they were walking around a lot of times with their feet exposed and there was a lot of things in the street and so their feet would often get very very dirty and and it wasn't the most pleasant thing and so for her to to take this moment to really honor him By cleaning his feet and pouring this oil, this perfume on there was was really incredible. Like this is like so honorable that she would do this, that it it literally captivated the room so much so that that Judas is offended by it. And because he understands that this is like this isn't the knockoff brand of perfume. You know what I'm saying? This isn't the polo plus. This is the real stuff. Like, this is the real deal stuff, and she spent a year's wages. Like, I need you to think about, take your paycheck for a year and go purchase some perfume. I know Christmas is coming up, and you want to get your wife a gift. But I don't know if that's the way to go. You know what I'm saying? And so he, this woman obviously has spent a lot of money to buy this perfume. And she's anointing his feet. And she's, she's literally taking her hair and cleaning it. And it's just such a beautiful moment of worship. And I, I assume because of the relationship that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus has with Jesus. It's like this is the least we could do thanking you for raising our brother from the dead. Am I right? Like, we're not just acquaintances here. There's a connection that we have with you that we will never have with no one else. This relationship is more special than our casual friends because you've done so much for us that no one else could do. And so she finds herself in this moment where she's just honoring Jesus and worshiping him. She's pouring this oil, and she's literally taking her hair and wiping his feet. And and Jesus is just feeling the love. He's feeling honored. And there's just this worship moment that is happening. And in the most beautiful moment of a relationship between this woman and Jesus, Judas pipes up and says, what a travesty. We could have taken this and sold it and given the money to the poor. It's like he was trying to mask his whole identity as a thief with a good deed so that it could be that he can look like somebody who is doing something special when all along he's really just a thief. Like, like, see this, it's a moment of worship that this woman is just, she's planned this for some time. And now she's in this moment of truly worshiping God. And it's really an intimate moment. And it's this follower of Jesus, this disciple who's been in all the church services, has an opinion about what's going on. And it involves the money that like we could have took this money and helped the poor. And they were missing the point because it was all about the finance and he didn't even see the heart. He didn't see the heart of worship that she truly had. He didn't have this heart. And so this woman, she is just bowing down. And, and, and because Jesus is like a hero to him. And she's washing and anointing his feet. And Judas is just beside himself. Keep in mind, it's not many days from now that Judas is about to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's just a few days away. You could see how this thing was much more than a financial problem. This was a heart problem. Even though he was around Jesus, he wasn't really with Jesus. I think that's something that we need to check out. I think that's something that we need to investigate because you can be around him, but that doesn't mean that you're really with him. Come on, you can even throw a hand up. That doesn't mean that you're with him because it could be image. It could be you want to impress somebody who is here and maybe ask them on a date. It could be a number of those that maybe you're in the doghouse with your spouse and so lifting your hands would be a good way for her to see or him to see. Wow, their heart is really changing. Come on now, let's be for real today. Come on, I'm only operating on a few hours of sleep. We're going to be for real. But the two key people I want to focus on in this story is Mary and Judas. I mean, Jesus, this hero, he is incredible. He's the Savior. And there's these two people that are encountering Jesus, and they both respond differently. Because I think what happens in this story sets the legacy for each of them. It really identifies them for the rest of their life. Because when you look at Judas from here on, you don't think disciple of Jesus. You're thinking, that dude's a thief, and he's a betrayer. But when you look at this woman, Mary you're quite impressed with her because her devotion and her heart for Jesus is incredible. In fact, if you read on, you would hear Jesus say that this story will be told over and over and her name will be mentioned. That's legacy. And I was looking at this. I'm like, this is incredible because we have the tale of two legacies in one person who is actually following around Jesus' ministry, carrying the money bag, got the corporate credit card, but yet he's not really with him. And here's this woman who stays in her hometown of Bethany. And Jesus obviously has done this great miracle. And even though there's distance in between them, she is still with him. There's such a heart of worship that is with Jesus. And so when you begin to really look at this, I I, got to drop a bomb on you right here. Because this is really going to mess with your mind. Because this woman, Mary... This woman, Mary, right here that we're so impressed with, it's believed that she was the woman who was caught in prostitution that was brought to Jesus by the religious leaders when they were ready to throw stones at her. This was the woman who's got the sketchy past, but now her legacy, her legacy is changed, and she's not remembered by her past. She's remembered by this moment of worship. This is incredible. This is such an incredible moment because even though her past was very powerful and it screamed loudly, I'm sure people in town knew a little something about her. But now there's something different about her because it wasn't just behavioral modification. Her heart was transformed. Her life was changed. And that's what happens when Jesus shows up in people's lives, transforms their life. So think of this, she pours expensive perfume on Jesus. I did think this, where did she get the money? You're thinking it too. I don't mean to be funny, I'm serious. I thought of this, like where did she get the money? You talk about redemption. You talk about a life being turned around. This, this is what I'm talking about with legacy here, because maybe your background isn't the best, but a relationship with Jesus can flip that legacy around to where what you've always been identified as is no longer your identity. It's just your history, but this is where you are now. And how we say the best is yet to come. That is what Jesus does in a person's life. This is what he's done in this woman's life. And so she's a worshiper. She loves Jesus because she's, a, she's experienced forgiveness at a level that most people hasn't experienced before. She has a level of forgiveness flowing in her life that most people will never, ever ask for. Think of this. She, she, Imagine with her past, there's a possibility that she has played a part in breaking up families. Like, I I don't mean to be graphic, but I think we got to see the weight of where she's coming from and and just how heavy of a burden that she carried. And for her to have this moment where she's worshiping Jesus in, in such an intimate and powerful way, it's just a testimony of the power of God, how it can turn a person's life around. And there's Judas, the eventual betrayer of Jesus, who calls it a waste, says, take the money and give it to the poor. Here's the reality. He didn't care about the poor. He didn't care about the poor. He wanted control of the money. He wanted more money in the bag. So watch this. Mary, she has this beautiful aroma that fills this room. It's just it smells so good. It's beautiful. Her worship is just beautiful. But Judas has a betrayal aroma that fills the room. I think at that point there were some people in the room that said, something's off with him. Something's something's not right with him. I don't know what it is, but I can tell something's something's off. Something's not right. So I thought this, you know, what I what? What kind of legacy do we want to identify with? Because Judas is, I mean, he's walking around with Jesus. He holds a place of importance. And even though he holds a place of importance, he's controlling. Think of this. He's complaining. He's he's a consumer. What can this do for me? What can this do for me? But then you see Mary who is caring compassionate and think of this she is no longer employed the way she was before her employment has changed you would think she probably needs to hold on to that money if she's going to make it and she chooses in that moment to get down begin to wash and anoint jesus feet Listen to the legacies we're talking about here today. Two people associated with Jesus, but yet their legacies are so different. I think most of the time we think that our legacies are determined by what we accomplish, by what we earn. But your legacy is really who you are. It's who you are. Think about our legacy as a church. It's not just what we're accomplishing. But it's who we are, because what we can do is going to come out of who we become. See, it's who before do. Why before what? I hope you're grabbing that. See, we become who we're supposed to be, and it flows out of our lives. That's what we want. We want the ministry to flow out of our heart and flow out of our lives. And there's many successful people that have legacies of achievement, but they weren't a good dad or mom. People read about their stories and they think they're, it's just amazing. But their own kids would tell you a different story. They want a good spouse. They're talking about all the accolades of their husband or wife. They were never home. Think of this. It's amazing how legacy is, is such a fancy word. Am I right? Sounds so good. And we want a great legacy. But sometimes the legacy is more about the highlight Than it is about the real everyday life. Because I found it's the little things. It's the little things that add up to equal your legacy. It's not the big plays. Come on. There there are plays that happen that no one sees that's making a difference. So that the play that everyone sees is that effective. Am I right? Successful people. But they were a terrible friend. I believe this are our Reflection. Our legacy is a reflection of who we are, not just what we do. And the greatest achievement of our lifetime is to become who God wants us to be. That's the greatest achievement of your lifetime is to become the person that God wants you to be. I want to wrap up today with just three legacy identities. We're going to go more into this in the weeks to come. But three legacy identities just from this story. It's amazing how a life that is transformed can teach us so much about our Savior, because Jesus changes these lives. I mean, they have such an encounter with Jesus and experience with him that they weren't just carrying around a knowledge of all the things that Jesus taught, but they carried around a knowledge of who he is. That's why, like today, when we were singing this song, that is who you are. It's this relationship thing. We know him in theory. We know the Bible says that God's a healer, but we've got to get to know him personally to recognize that he has the capability of doing that. That's where our faith really comes alive. And so I was thinking about this uh, for this message. Three legacy identities. What's going to be our identity? What would be our identity as a church as we glean from this story today? And I think the first thing that we want to be said about us as an individual or about a church is this. We're worshipers. This is a legacy identity. We are worshipers. Wouldn't it be awesome if your kids would describe you or your spouse or your friends would describe you as my mom, my dad, my friend, that guy we go to church with, that lady we go to church with. I don't know a lot about them, but I know that they are a worshiper of Jesus. That is an incredible legacy. There's so much weight to that because what that holds is the potential of everything that Jesus can do in a person's life. And so this isn't just their faith and what they do, but this is generational. This is eternal. This is something that is passed down from generation to generation, and it cannot, will not be stopped. And so for us to get in on Jesus and to be worshiping him, it solidifies such a legacy that generationally it is passed down. It is something that we would love for our children to be identified as, as a worshiper of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. Not just somebody who was associated that went to E-Kids or that went to church every now and then. But someone who became a true worshiper of Jesus Christ. Not just because that's what they do at that church, but that is who they are. Amen? I'm a worshiper. You're a worshiper. Listen, you got to understand, this isn't just your spiritual observation. This isn't just your faith and belief system. It is your relationship with God that is practiced every day. It is your devotion in action. Amen? It is not just well, I believe God. No. I truly believe God and I express it fully to Him. I have conversations with Him about it. He talks to me about it. We're in this relationship together and my part in the relationship is to worship Him. I'm a worshiper. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. Now listen, next time you're in worship, don't worship like you're carrying the TV, all right? Throw your hands up like your team score. We were created to worship God. Amen? We wanted to be sad about our legacy that they were all about Jesus. They were all about Jesus. They were not all about themselves. They were not all about what they do. They were all about Jesus. And I think if we seek Him, if we seek to live right and follow Him, then all the other things are going to fall in place. But we got to be worshipers, amen. Here's the second thing I think we got to identify as another legacy identity. Not only are we worshipers, we are servants. We are servants. You know what you didn't see in this story? Because you were caught up by the the whole Jesus is there and perfume and all that stuff. Somebody set up a table and cooked a meal. See, Mary's going to do her thing in a moment and she's going to anoint the feet of Jesus. But the whole point of Jesus coming was to have a meal. And when Jesus came to the meal, it set Mary up to be able to give this moment of worship. Amen. And servanthood. Listen, serving is not just what we do. It's bigger than an opportunity. It is who we are. We are servants of God. Amen. I think of this. Well, how would you describe Keith Gibbs? I mean, how would you describe him? I would describe him as a servant of God. Listen, listen, that doesn't sound great to you, but this is what's so awesome about that line right there. Jesus said, Whoever wants to be great amongst you must first become a servant. Come on, brother. He didn't just say do serving things, he said he must become. A servant. This is a legacy identity. And it should be said about us at our church. It should be said about you that that person is a servant. They have a servant's heart. And we look so much like Jesus when we serve. When we talk about becoming who God wants you to be, I can promise you, everything that is entailed with you becoming who God wants you to be points directly to you becoming a servant. Come on. Pick up a chair, somebody. Good. See, serving, it's not just a task. It's an identity. And we serve the Lord with our hearts. We serve him with our gifts, with our talents and our our abilities. And when we're a servant, this is is our heart. This is what our heart says. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? See, it's not a response to an opportunity. It's a reflection of our heart. I don't just wait to see if they're going to put something out on paper and advertise to me. My heart is, before you advertise it is. do you need us to help? Do you need any help to do this? That's what Fall Fest was. It was people like, hey, do you need us to do anything? I know we put the sign-up sheet, but before the sign-up sheet showed up, most of it was already filled. Serving hearts. I'm telling you, that's what makes this church great. It's not the preacher. It's the serving hearts. People who just want to serve. We want our legacy to be, we are servants. We set up tables so people can taste and see that the Lord is good. We fill water pots so Jesus can turn the water into wine. We find a boy with five loaves and two fish so that Jesus can feed a multitude. We roll a gravestone aside so Jesus can raise somebody from the dead. Are you, you seeing all those miracles are great, but somebody's got to serve to set it up. Yeah. It's calling us. So say, I don't know what God wants me to be. He wants you to be a servant. He wants you to be a worshiper. Listen, you can get a career identity and miss who God wants you to be. You can be in a successful position and provide well for your family. But you're not worshiping and you're not serving. You're missing who God wants you to be. Don't just live off the blessings of God. God wants you to be blessed. But he also wants you to live right. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right living. Right living. And right living is, I'm a worshiper. I'm a servant. Amen. I think about people who park cars at this church, people who make the coffee, who greet the guests, who play the music, who put the words on the screen, who set up the kids area, who sets up the stage and all these chairs, who teaches the children, who leads the e-groups, all of these different things. What are they doing? They're setting it up so that Jesus can touch somebody's life. They're literally setting up God encounters. That's what servanthood is. What can I do to set up a God encounter? That's why we always look for serve opportunities. It's not just PR. Come on. It's an understanding that if we serve, we got room at the table for more guests. And it's an opportunity for Jesus to touch somebody's life and change them forever. And their legacies are rewritten whenever he touches their life. And we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play in the miracle of lives being changed by Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. We're givers. We are givers. We're worshipers. We're servants. We're givers. Watch this. We invest in what God is doing because it's made a difference in us. Mary, it's anointing Jesus' feet because what Jesus did has affected her life Forever. And her mindset is, I can't give enough for all that he has done for me. She wiped out the bank account. Come on now. I'm not trying to mess with your money if that's what you're thinking. I'm just telling you this It's the point where her heart was transformed such to a place that she just said, I've got to thank him for all that he has done for me because I once was somebody that my parents wouldn't even be proud of, but if they could see me now, if they knew the story about what he has done in my life, their whole idea about me would be changed and if all my friends from back in the day could see where I'm at to now and know that it was this man Jesus who came into my life and changed me forever, they would be sitting at his feet and worshiping him too because they knew where I was, but look at where I am now. Man, I'm fired up. And this ain't the caffeine. See, generosity, giving isn't determined by a bank account, but it's determined by a heart, by a person's heart. It comes from being thankful, from being grateful that everything I have comes from the Lord. That's where it comes from. This isn't twist arm. If you don't give, you're wrong. No, this is how I want to give. I'm looking for ways to give. I'm looking for ways to give time. I'm looking for ways to use this talent, these gifts, these abilities that God has given me. I'm looking for ways I've been blessed. I want to give financially because I've been blessed. I mean, this is the motivation behind it. It's not because a preacher told me a story compelling enough with a bunch of strings attached that made me feel like I need to give so I can have a little church status. That is not at all what we're promoting. What we're promoting is when Jesus changes a person's life, I guarantee you worship is something that you want to do. You want to do. You want to do. Come on. That is the result of a God encounter. Serving is what you want to do. It's not because all the church need. No, it's because Jesus, if I get together with you and I keep setting up miracles, you keep changing lives. So what do we need to do next? Let's get with it. And in giving, it's understanding that if we keep investing in this, going to change so many lives. It might even be my best friend. It might even be my neighbor. It might even be my family. We're givers. Givers. If someone asks me what makes your church so great, this is what I'll tell them. Right here. There's some worshiping people here. There's some serving people here. There's some giving people here. I need you to know the the, the amount of pride, the good kind of pride. Not the pride that God resists. But I was so proud walking through this village representing our church with the team that came with us. And when they started mentioning those needs, listen, the ability to say yes immediately. What do you need? Yes. That'll help you? Yeah, okay, let's do it. And the reason we were able to do that is because this is who we are. It's a result of who we are. Worshippers, servants, givers. I want to finish with this verse. I'm going over, I got to finish. Second Corinthians 512, I read this verse so many times, but now this verse, I feel like this is, this is the monumental verse. It says, are we committing ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer to those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. You can be spectacular, but that doesn't mean you're sincere. I think about what Jesus has done in the lives of people here. I know a lot of you. I know the stories about what Jesus has done in your life. I know that encounter is what has motivated you to worship, to give, to serve. And that's why I would say your legacy isn't all those things that God saved you from. It's who you have become. And it's who you are becoming. Now, I want to say this. God's not finished with you yet. The story has just begun. He's still writing your story. And if we just stay surrendered to him, stories will look better than if we ever tried to brainstorm it rough draft it write it out type it out ask three friends to edit delete copy paste whatever you want to do his story that he's writing for us will always be better than what we could have dreamed up for ourselves and it starts with a simple jesus i surrender to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. If you're here today and you're hearing this message and you know you have not completely surrendered your life to the Lord, maybe you are associated with Jesus and maybe you are a religious person. Maybe that's how you would be described. But when you hear this, you realize the power of a relationship with God, the power of an encounter with God, that he can take a person's life and completely turn it around. And you say, Pastor, I need to completely surrender my life, not just take on an new faith belief system, but truly surrender all my heart to him. I want you to lift your hand this morning. We want to pray with you. Say, Pastor, that is me. I need to truly surrender all of my life to the Lord. Not just develop a faith system that's good for my kids, but I want to have a faith and a belief in you because I need change. I need a new identity. Anyone else would say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. Several hands have already been raised. Anyone else, Pastor, pray for me. This is complete and total surrender. I'm all yours, Lord. Come on. We're going to pray this prayer together as a church. I love this moment. This is a family prayer moment. We're going to pray it out loud, and I want you to repeat it after me. Say say this. Mean it with all your heart. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you have the power to turn my life around. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I surrender my heart completely to you, and I thank you, Jesus. That you gave your life on the cross so I could be forgiven, so I can be changed. From this day on, I choose to live my life your way. I'm all yours. Thank you for a fresh start, for a new beginning, and a new legacy in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. That's a powerful moment right there. That's a powerful moment right there.